Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Stories of Strangeness. I'm Zoe and this is Mike. Hello. And this one is a Mike episode. Yeah, I can't remember if it should have been or not because of the recent Halloween shenanigans that we've been doing, but it is anyway. Well, no, it, it is your episode, sweetheart, because I did Mary Shelley last time, didn't I? Oh, right. Well, there you go then. That's put you right. Yeah, perfect. Not really. No. At all. No. Get on with it, love. All right. Remember, remember, the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason and plot. We see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be, be forgot. forgot. As we record this, it's the 5th of November. For most of the world, this date has little significance, but in the UK, it's known as Bonfire Night, or Guy Fawkes Night, or simply Fireworks Night. You might at some point be able to hear some fireworks going off in the background, in fact. I'm just going to leave them in. Bonfire Night has its roots in Celtic mythology and magical practice, where animal bones were burned in order to ward off evil spirits at midsummer festivals. So it was a bone fire, which over millennia became bonfire. Side note, as a child, I thought it was bomb fire night. Me too, because of all the explosions. Yeah, which given the cause of the modern celebrations actually makes sense. In 1605, a shadowy group of Catholics devised a plot to blow up Parliament in London, specifically the House of Lords and the King, on the day it was due to open. This was to rid England of the Protestant faith by killing its leaders and the group hoped that the King of Spain might take over, restoring Catholicism as the true faith of the land. They were thwarted when one of the group tried to warn a relative, Lord Monteagle, who was a member of Parliament or MP, via a letter. Monteagle, although a Catholic himself, forwarded the letter to Robert Cecil, Chief Minister of King James. The letter seemed to confirm Protestant suspicions of a plot to overthrow the monarchy and government and install a Catholic regime. Although the sender of the letter's identity has never been confirmed, Francis Tresham is a likely betrayer of the plot, despite being one of the co-conspirators, as he was also the brother-in-law of Monteagle. The letter was forwarded on to King James, who doubted the authenticity of the threat at first, but then relented and ordered a search of the Palace of Westminster and Grounds. The search was conducted on November 4th, 1605 by the Earl of Suffolk, who noted that a privately rented ground floor storeroom contained an unusually large amount of firewood. Later the same day, Sir Thomas Nivett oversaw a second search of the buildings around Parliament and the same wood-laden storeroom once again attracted attention. The man guarding the storeroom also seemed suspicious, being clothed in a cloak, boots and spurs. Attire suited to making an escape on horseback, and not the sort of garb usually worn by watchmen. The wood was moved, the 36 barrels of gunpowder were revealed, and Guy Fawkes, giving his name as John Johnson, was taken into custody after long fuses or matches were found on his person. Fawkes at first refused to give up his co-conspirators and clung to the pseudonym of John Johnson under interrogation. On November 6, 1605, King James authorised the use of torture on Fawkes, who relented under the duress and revealed his true name, 
that he was from Yorkshire and the names of the others he was working with. Not only did the plot itself fail, the rest of the group, including Robert Catesby, the actual ringleader who had previously and unsuccessfully tried to persuade the King of Spain to invade England in 1603, along with Thomas Percy, Thomas and Robert Winter, Christopher and John Wright and Thomas Bates, were chased to Holbeck House in Staffordshire. Percy, Christopher Wright and Catesby were killed in the skirmish and Tresham was arrested and sent to the Tower, where he died before the trial. The others were not so lucky. Sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered, Fawkes actually jumped from the gallows, leaping to his death by breaking his neck. His body was summarily quartered and sent to the four corners of the kingdom. The others received their full sentence, and such was James's ire that even Catesby and Percy's bodies were disinterred and mutilated. The plot had the effect of turning King James, who was tolerant of other religions and their sects when he came to power, into a fierce anti-Catholic, along with the rest of the government. And so we come to the conspiracy theories about the conspiracy. There are those who believe that the Crown was involved from the start, wanting to stir up anti-Catholic feelings that would then allow for repressive measures to be put into place, while simultaneously enlisting more support for King James, who had only recently arrived from Scotland. Robert Cecil was an anti-Catholic propagandist, having learned the trade from his father, who provided similar services to Elizabeth I. Leander de Lisle, who wrote the book After Elizabeth, How James, King of Scots, won the crown of England in 1603, states that the Cecils provoked conspiracies and were involved in a particular propaganda line against the Catholics from the 1550s. It has been speculated that Cecil may have been involved in the plot as part of a false flag operation and might have told the conspirators that they would be immune to prosecution. He may even have been the author behind the letter sent to Lord Monteagle. The letter itself gave no details about the plot or what it involved, merely stating, they shall receive a terrible blow this Parliament, and yet they shall not see who hurts them. And yet King James is said to have decided it meant some plot of gunpowder, which is not only an incredible leap of logic, but also happened to be correct. Either James was a gifted sleuth, perhaps the forerunner of Sherlock Holmes who would not appear for over 200 years, or else he had an epiphany of some sort, an amazingly lucky guess, or perhaps there was inside knowledge of the plot already by the time the letter had arrived in his hands. Dr Mark Nichols, fellow in history at St John's College, Cambridge, disagrees with this idea, saying that although theories that the government either knew of the conspiracy from an early stage, or that it actually manipulated the agents through one or more agents provocateur, are as old as the treason itself. He goes on to say, if this was a fashioned plot, it was extraordinarily ham-fisted. His argument is that James had promised to leave the Catholics alone, provided they practiced in private and publicly affirmed their loyalty to the Crown, and that the revelation of the gunpowder plot was hugely embarrassing and promised to undermine the unity that the King was attempting to foster, and additionally, that it made the King look vulnerable as the plot had almost succeeded something no monarch would want to be public knowledge. 
King James even told nobles to return to their lands and reassure people that it was a minority of Catholics that were responsible. Surely, if the underlying plot was to stir up resentment against Catholics, James had a perfect opportunity to tar them all with the same brush following Fawkes' arrest. That being said, however, any Catholic lords with any connection to any of the plotters were arrested, fined, and ruined, removing power and influence of moneyed Catholics from the upper echelons of English society. Presumably the wealth went to the crown. There is also the matter of the gunpowder. Fawkes was well versed with its use due to his experience with mines and explosives gained during fighting for Catholic Spain against the Protestant Dutch Republic. But only the state in England possessed and could sell gunpowder. So how did Fawkes, a Catholic, come by such a large amount? Dr Nichols again refutes this claim, saying that almost every gentleman in England at the time would have had a stock of gunpowder. Chances are, once Fawkes had gained as much as he could from sympathetic Catholic nobles, bribery would still have been an option to procure more. Other sources claim that the gunpowder, although in sufficient quantities to raise Parliament to the ground and cause severe damage to surrounding buildings, would not have exploded even if it had been ignited, because the powder had decayed. Some people argue that the nine-day delay between Monteagle receiving the letter and the search is evidence of intrigue at the highest levels, but it could have been that the Crown and State wanted to investigate or even leave it until the last minute to perform a search, increasing their chances of catching someone red-handed, which if the case, appears to have worked. Another conspiratorial thread states that Sir Thomas Nivet ought to have been disciplined for allowing the cellar to be rented by Catholic rebels, and for not catching them when a suspicious amount of firewood was found on his first search. This is difficult to prove as Nivet himself would have been unlikely to have been involved directly in a minor letting, and his subsequent peerage might simply have been a reward recognising a long career spent at court. Some point out the serendipity of the cellar becoming available for rent just as the conspirators' original plan, which was to tunnel under Parliament and set the charges, began to falter. Also, no half-dug tunnel was ever found, further mystifying things. There is also the fact that once the plotters knew their scheme had been uncovered, they pressed on regardless. Why did they not simply disappear? It could be that they felt they were in too far to stop, felt that they could still achieve their aim as their identities were still unknown, or maybe they were just intensely loyal to their cause. Once caught, Catesby, the ringleader, was killed along with Percy. Surely the authorities would have wanted to interrogate him. Conspiracists point to this killing as a way to silence members of the plot that knew its true purpose, but it could have been down to overzealousness on the part of the soldiers sent to get them, or merely an accident of chance, a stray bullet perhaps. It's true that any conspiracy story tends to hold the attention, but one with a possible conspiracy behind the conspiracy can apparently last for over 400 years. In any case, Fawkes, although not being the leader of the plot, became the face of it perhaps due to him being the only member tortured for information, which he withheld as long as his body would let him, buying his compatriots time to rally themselves for the final showdown with the Crown. King James issued an edict called the Thanksgiving Act of 1606 that required all parish churches in England to deliver a sermon on November the 5th, 
thanking God for deliverance from a Catholic plot. This Thanksgiving evolved into the modern celebration, with fireworks signifying the gunpowder and an effigy of forks called a guy being burned on a bonfire every November the 5th. In the 1980s, acclaimed English comics writer Alan Moore wrote V for Vendetta, in which the main character V dresses in a Guy Fawkes mask with accompanying hat and cloak to hide his identity until his vendetta can be completed. The Fawkes mask was originally the idea of the comics artist David Lloyd. This was then made into a film starring Natalie Portman and Hugo Weaving in 2005, and the story gained the attention of new audiences. Fawkes's face became the symbol of disguised rebellion against oppression and was adopted by the hacking collective Anonymous after images including the mask appeared on online message boards such as 4chan, often as part of memes. Anonymous allegedly sprang up from these boards and they used the mask in their videos to hide the faces of members while extolling the libertarian and anti-capitalism aims of the group against targets like the Church of Scientology, the CIA, the Ku Klux Klan, Visa and PayPal. This adoption of Fawkes' face to represent antagonism of establishment institutions and anonymous rebellion sprawled out into other movements such as the Occupy movement. Alan Moore, who identifies himself as an anarchist amongst other things, expressed some delight in seeing the Fawkes mask used in demonstrations, stating in an interview in 2008 with Entertainment Weekly, I was also quite heartened the other day when watching the news to see that there were demonstrations outside the Scientology headquarters over here, and that they suddenly flashed to a clip showing all of these demonstrators wearing V for Vendetta masks. That pleased me. That gave me a little glow. He also said in an interview with British newspaper The Guardian, Suppose when I was writing V for Vendetta, I would in my secret heart of hearts have thought, wouldn't it be great if those ideas actually made an impact? So when you start to see that idle fantasy intrude onto the regular world, it's peculiar. It feels like a character I created 30 years ago has somehow escaped the realm of fiction. David Lloyd also spoke about the mask. The Guy Fawkes mask has now become a common brand and a convenient placard to use in protest against tyranny, and I'm happy with people using it. It seems quite unique, an icon of popular culture being used this way. My feeling is the anonymous group needed an all-purpose image to hide their identity and also symbolise that they stand for individualism. V for Vendetta is a story about one person against the system. We knew that V was going to be an escapee from a concentration camp where he had been subjected to medical experiments, but then I had the idea that in his craziness he would decide to adopt the persona and mission of Guy Fawkes, our great historical revolutionary. We have a promo for you to listen to from one of our podcast friends. Have a listen to this. Hey guys, this is Heather and Kristen, the hosts of Sinister Sweethearts podcast. And we want to share with you a little bit about our show. If you're looking for fun banter between old college sweetmates about all things paranormal, sinister, weird, and generally creepy, check out our podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. What do you think? Well, you know I like a bit of Viva Vendetta. You do? <laughs> I do, very much. Even to the point where 
part of the reason our daughter's named the way she is is after one of the characters. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so basically all British kids know this story, the Remember the Remember the 5th of November. Well, I don't know if they do anymore. You don't think so? I think Not- the gunpowder plot is still part of history in terms of being taught. Yeah, but I don't know if they actually say, hey, it's the 5th of November and this is why. Yeah. You um, think it's it's more, it's just fi- they, the they, spectacle of fireworks these days is the, well, is the main draw. That's the main draw. I think if they do mention it in school, they don't go into that much detail because yeah. you actually told me things there that I didn't know. Yeah. There's um, stuff I didn't know when I, when I was researching exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know... You know, oh, it was because a guy called Guy Fawkes tried to blow up the House of Lords. Mm. But that's about it. Yeah. He, he was discovered. I didn't know he jumped to his death, for example. I think probably by then he was just, well, get, me, get me out of here. Yeah, it was... It was, it was desperation. It was him taking control over his own death, wasn't it, really? Indeed. Rather than being hung, drawn and quartered. Well, I mean, if you Which got, he was still quartered, it, but still. Yeah, but after he was dead, so that's not, you know... Well, that's normally the way, wasn't it? You were hung until you were dead and then caught, drawn by wild horses and then caught. I don't know if they were always dead. No. I'm not sure because I feel like not. they kind of hung them and did hung them all at the same time. Hung them to the point time. of death and then revived them, you think? and then No, you don't know. I don't know. I always thought their arms and legs were tied. They were hung and then pulled. Like oh, was, all at the same time? Yeah, kind of. That sounds horrendous. Well, any of those things sound horrendous. Well, yeah, because well, they had to cut them though, didn't they? So I just don't really see the... I know. So I thought being drawn meant you, you basically had, you had your limbs tied to wild horses and they all ran in opposite directions and well, tore them off. Hung, drawn and quartered. So they hang and then they split you, like they cut and then draw. Right. Which is pulled. Yeah. That's, so then what's quartered if not no, no, cutting the, the, the body hung, into No, quarters. hung, drawn. Drawn is the lines. Okay. And then the quartering is where the horses pull you apart. Okay. I thought that's what I think anyway. That's... Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's a bit of homework for us. We can look into exactly what hung, drawn and quartered is. Yes. Which is not nice homework, but heck, well, you know, this it's is not really the, this the, is what we've set ourselves up The direction up for. that I thought the conversation would go immediately yeah. to. But torture, yeah, so if he'd been tortured previously, he was probably just like, you know what, this is my turn now, off I go, bye. But I don't think I was ever really aware of how it was almost entirely a religious thing. Yeah, I don't think I was Between the Catholics and the Protestants. because And it does sound like it was a conspiracy and the Crown knew because, like, from the stories that I've heard about that time period of, like, the, the struggle yeah. between the Protestants and the Catholics, I would not put anything past them to past just, either like, side, no. Yeah, they were to both awful to each the, other. the upper hand. yeah. And the fact that if the group knew they'd been found out and they didn't do it, they just carried on regardless, was it because they had been promised immunity or they went, oh, don't worry, yeah. we're just going to be using you as a bit of a scapegoat. You carry on because it needs to be r- realistic. Yeah, and I, I think it's went, entirely oh. possible it was a false flag operation where they, they basically went, right, let's rile up some Catholics, make them do something stupid and then we can pretty much outlaw it and yeah. and cement our position. Because interestingly, James, King James I of England was also James the, I think, fourth or sixth, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, of Scotland. Yeah. And he only became King of England when Elizabeth I died. Right. And Elizabeth I was the Protestant queen. Yeah. And basically, in her time, Catholics were reasonably well persecuted there were people called, I can't remember what it is exactly, but it was Catholics that 
refused to go to the Church of England on Sunday, and they right. were fined for that. And apparently, if they continued to refuse to go, the fines got steadily higher and higher until it basically bankrupted them. And she had an edict sent out saying any Catholics that refuse to go to church on Sunday have to sign this document proclaiming Protestantism as the religion of the land and Elizabeth as the head of that church. They had to sign their name to say, this is what I believe, regardless of whether they did or not. Um, Such a compassionate faith, isn't it? Yes, lovely. Why we don't look for it. Yeah. And this is between two faiths that essentially, you know, it's two sects of the same faith. I know. Two branches of Christianity have gone to war over this. Because I didn't realise, again, that, you know, France and the Netherlands and Spain were all heavily involved in this. And like I say, Robert Catesby, who was actually the ringleader, tried to get the King of Spain to invade England to restore Catholic rule. And had the plot worked the next thing they were going to do was kidnap James's daughter and make her queen, but make her Catholic. Oh, blimey. So through... It's like a game of chess, isn't it? Yeah. It It really is. And like in in Elizabeth's time, she outlawed things like baptisms and mass and stuff like that, so people weren't allowed to practice. Yeah. James was more tolerant, was kind of like, look, you know, as long as you practice in private, but publicly say that you're loyal to the crown, we're good. And then once this happened, he turned into a staunch anti-Catholic, even though he did say, oh, this is just a minority of Catholics that have done this. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I saw a thing that said around, I think it was either Elizabeth's time or James's time, that there was only about 30,000 Catholics in the country. And the population was like a couple of million. Yeah. So it was a very, a very small, small minority. Amount, yeah. And of those, James was saying, it's only a small minority that have done this. But Catholic life got a lot harder after the did. plot. Yeah. Because even though it was, he was saying, it's only a few people, there Who still seemed to be a people? knock-on effect. Like the fact that all the nobles that had any ties whatsoever to any of the group and there were 13 conspirators in, in total. Seems quite convenient, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, so basically yeah. you're saying, right, we've got all these Catholic nobles. We're going to find them until they can't pay any more, yeah. ruin them. They lose their lands, their titles, their wealth, everything. They're not a, a threat to us anymore because they don't have any power. Plus we get a ton of money. Yeah. If that doesn't sound Handy. like an inside job... I don't know what is. I mean, also, it does seem convenient that the conspirators all seem to be related to people, right? That were very powerful. Yeah, well, a couple of them, ways. a couple of them were, like you say, Tresham was the brother-in-law of Lord Monteagle, yeah, who was a, an MP but a Catholic. Yeah, doesn't really say what happens to Lord Monteagle after that because he turned the letter over. Yeah. You and think that'd give him was, a few brownie points, but... Yeah, because the letter kind of said something along the lines of, due to the love that I bear some of your friends, I would advise you to find some excuse not to go in yeah. on the 5th of November to Parliament when it opens. Right. In order to save your life kind of thing. Yeah. But all that it said was there will be dealt a great hurt and they won't see who So yeah, who it does seem this. like quite a great leap to go... Oh, they're going to blow it up because it could be poison. That would be another thing. Like, you know, it's poison in the... I'm sure they're all either drinking the same drink or eating the same food if they go for food beforehand. It could be that they've got uh, sleeper cells stashed all over London ready to run at the Parliament gates with knives and axes or whatever. Shoot everybody. Yeah. I mean... So many different... Set fire to the building. 
Yeah. I mean, to actually think, oh, they're going to blow it up is very, very it's, specific. It's a isn't very it? sideways leap, isn't it? But also, yeah. I'm a bit kind of confused. The nine days thing. Yeah. Part of it, I was like, oh, yeah, actually, maybe if they did leave it longer, they may be more likely, and they did yeah. find something going on. Because, I mean, they you know, were searching on the day before. Yeah. If something was going on, you're guaranteed to find it, aren't you? So You're, you're certainly more likely. You're not guaranteed. Think, though, but yeah, you're certainly more well, likely to bump into somebody that looks a bit suspicious and think, right, well, we'll check them out. How far in advance was the, the room rented? Well, that I don't know. Because but it must have been you'd have just, at least a day or two. But if you knew something like this was happening and you knew nine days in advance, you'd be like, right, well, we're not going to rent anything out to anybody we don't know. Yeah, but it what? was a different time because, you know, you think that before this, nothing of that scale had ever been attempted. I suppose. This was one of the first properly terrorist acts in the UK. Yeah. Do you imagine what kind of ramifications it would have had if it actually succeeded? Yeah, well, like I say, it, it would have blown Parliament to well, yeah, kindling. But, but if that then would have killed the king, different yep. religion, different basically religion. taken over, then... In theory, England would possibly still be a Catholic country right now. And who knows what it would be like if it was. I don't know. might not be much different. Look at Ireland. Well, but, say if- you know... But yeah, there was there was a few interesting things that I found out as well, like the fact that Guy Fawkes used to sign his name Guido because of his time in Italy. Yeah. He took on the local version of Guy, which was Guido, and he preferred that for a while. Huh. So in his extremely shakily written confession letter after torture, he signs it Guido Fawkes. Interesting. Yeah. Also, I knew a guy called John Johnson when I was growing up. Yeah. I don't think his real name was Guy Fawkes, though. And again, it was a different time, but holy shit, what a crap pseudonym. <laughs> it's I know. like, you know, it's like, oh, what's your name? R- Richard Richards? Uh, Richard um, Richardson? I mean, he could have said John Smith. Yeah, he could have done. And then they'd have gone, you don't smell like a brewer. John Smith's being a, a form of beer over here. Anyway, because <laughs> okay. we do have quite a lot of American listeners, and whether they know about John Smith or not, I'm not sure. But it's yeah. gross. And people from all over the place. I was going to say, Rwanda. international people. D- Maybe Rwanda John Smith loves don't... John Smith. Who no. knows? It's horrible. I don't like it. Let us know, Rwanda. Do you enjoy John Smith's beer or biscuits? I don't know. Whatever. Does John Smith make biscuits? No, but we generally talk about biscuits, so we I do. thought I'd bring them up. We do. Yeah. And to some parts of the USA, by biscuits, we mean kind of cookies. forms of cookies. Yeah, not something that I kind of think looks more like what we would call dumplings. What? Oh, yeah. When cause... they do biscuits and gravy. They look like they scones. They look more like, yeah, scones or dumplings, like rock yeah. hard dumplings. Scones with gravy. Two countries separated by a common language, as it's been said before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is this is something the UK does every year on November the 5th. We still observe this tradition. It's going on right now outside our door. There are people having bonfires and there are people letting off fireworks literally well, just behind they, us. They really shouldn't, though, because we're supposed to be, you know, locked down. We're supposed down. to be currently in lockdown. But I yeah. suppose if it's individual families ooing and ahhing in their own back garden yeah, and scaring the bejangles, bejangles out of all the local all pets. The cats, yeah. Um, Although our cat is currently asleep on the back of the sofa and doesn't seem to care whatsoever. Care, does she? No. So, yeah, the original conspiracy was five people. Yeah. And it grew to 13. And were it not for the letter, it never would have been found out, which actually 13 people keeping a secret is pretty good pretty going. Good, yeah. So they were obviously very loyal to the But this the is the Catholic thing, though. You say, oh, 13 faith. people keeping a secret. Well, they did, one of them didn't, did they? Well, yeah. All right. So 12 people keeping a secret <laughs> was pretty good going. But yeah, they got the dozen. They just didn't get the baker's dozen. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, unlucky 13. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's another episode at some point, doing the Templars, but not right now. I like sparklers. Okay. What's your favourite firework? What's, oh. Do you know when I was a kid, I always used to quite enjoy the Catherine wheels. Do you know what? I like the Catherine wheels too. But let's be honest, everybody's favourite firework is rockets. <laughs> some some kind I of like sky the, bomb. I like the screamers. I've the seen ones, some amazing... The really twizzly ones that go... Wee! I saw a video of some amazing Japanese fireworks that were so big. Yeah. They call them ghost fireworks as well because they don't make a sound going up yeah. completely. And you only see a little trail for a bit and then they just disappear and you go, oh, that was rubbish. And then all of a sudden the entire sky blows up and, I, and, and usually in like two or three waves as well with different colours and extra sparkles. And... I know what my favourite fireworks are. Oh, go on then. Weasleys, wizard wheezes. Oh, so you can't have fictional fireworks. Those that dragons were amazing. All right, then. I like Gandalf's dragon from Lord of oh, the Rings. Oh, do you know what? Ah, no, that does pick it, yeah, it? you see. Yes. And the tree. The tree was very good. He had that one that looked like a tree and it blossomed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aww. see. If we're doing fictional fireworks, Tolkien's got... Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, they the were kids. Ones. Who were? Ga- they were hobbits. They were small people. No, they weren't no, kids. I'm not ta- Have I'm you ta- got confused? I'm talking about Fred and George. They were kids. And if they, <laughs> they, they were came, taller than hobbits. They were quite, weren't yeah. they? But no, they were young and Gandalf was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. Oh, that's a fair point, actually. They'd so had they less would, they'd have less practice with magic yeah. than he had, and they came out with some pretty interesting ones. They, did. they were amazing. The ones that they set off when they left. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like yeah. all like, yeah. you know, zoom round, unbridge. Annoyed unbridge, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the book, they carry on for ages and ages around the castle grounds. There's like random Catherine wheels and they like explode together and it's like, oh, it's just whizzing past the window, but really feebly. It's interesting, we- actually, because I wonder how many other fantasy books contain fireworks. Probably not that many. I would think they're... two of the biggest series yeah. both contain them. And Potter, I can completely understand, because like you say, it's, it's all about kids and school yeah. life and, you know, fireworks are a big thing in the States on the 4th of July and they're a big thing over here on November the 5th and obviously the Chinese use them for New, uh, Year. New Year and yeah. things like that. And, and Diwali as well. Diwali? Not the Chinese. No, the yeah, but I know, the, but the yeah. Diwali festival use yeah. it. I didn't know that. That's yeah. That's what. That's why we tend to get fireworks going off for a longer period of time. All right, okay. Because oh, other people are celebrating other things. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Well, I it's like a festival that. of light, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it makes sense. But yeah, it's odd that Tolkien included them because it was like almost like he was treating the hobbits like kids. Mm-hmm. It was like allegorical kids or something, but they're not really. I suppose you have to think though in his in his world, what would make a party? They're not going to have a DJ. They're not going to have you know for a party to be outside and be something crazy. DJ Harryfoot. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Proudfoot in the house. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Oh, my God. Yeah, so what would make it interesting and fun outside? He's a magician, so he's not going to go, oh, let me do some magic tricks. Yeah, I suppose. So, like, it is, and it's quite impressive to just make big explosions. Yeah. And pretty shapes. But the, I think the idea Extreme being Extreme paper folding or... You know, he could you know, he could make maybe magical fire or something like that or, or winds what, what or whatever. Is, it's firework. What, um, what I was saying was <laughs> that fireworks are generally a safer way to enjoy kind of light and fire and explosions, yes. aren't they? Yes. Well, Explosives. thousands of injuries every year. I was going to say, so... Yes. Stay safe out there, folks. <laughs> These the rockets that you can't really control once you've lit them. They can go anywhere. They go up. They must come down. So yeah. 
Our garden will probably be littered with those random sticks. <laughs> probably, considering it's Guy Fawkes. Yeah. Was it, was it with you that I blew up all the vegetables that year? Or tried no. to? No. I've oh. never blown up. Oh, that's mean. It, it isn't. Because <laughs> the vegetables don't care. No, I tried various different vegetables and we, we found out a few things. We couldn't find pumpkins anywhere because obviously they'd all been bought out for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to blow up a pumpkin. But we also couldn't find very good fireworks either. Oh, God. So I was like, I really wanted like the air bombs because they would, you know, they'd be a real percussive Strangely, force. I've never had that obsession with fireworks. I enjoy looking at them and they're pretty. I've only ever set off a few in my entire life. I've but, never really bothered yeah. with them. But this one year we were like, me and a few friends were like, let's just let's, let's blow up a load of vegetables. It'd be funny. We <laughs> discovered a few things that I think we got. Mashed potato. We got a squash of some description, like a butternut squash or something yeah. like that kind of bored into it so that we could put a firework into it and that just kind of went and then just kind of cooked the inside but it smelled awful aubergines were much worse than that they did explode but they smelled like satan's ass excellent but because they were quite squishy they did blow up quite well and i think a lot of the other ones were really just kind of the fireworks we had were like this really crappy five pound assortment box from the local shop which i think there was like two rockets in and some sparklers and some other, you know, some pop rocks. And we were like, we can't, we can't blow up a vegetable with a Catherine wheel because that's. <gasps> oh, oh, I've had a thought though. We could have stuck the Catherine wheel onto a rod, stuck the rod into the vegetable, and see if we could make a helicopter. That'd have been amazing. Yeah, flying pumpkins away. Well, I want to give a little shout out to oh, to Susan Seb. Hello. And just say that one of my favourite fireworks nights was in their back garden yes and dodging the fireworks that went astray went slightly astray (laughs) and zigzagged up and down the garden we all kind of dived for cover oh and actually thinking about it we've both got fireworks night stories haven't we because i've got the one where we went to an organized demonstration this is back when I was a small... Do you mean an small... organised firework display? Oh, yeah, firework I thought you were going to say dem- like, like, I know, like riot. You know what I mean. Of... Fireworks, bonfire night thing. Yeah. And it was organised by the local town council or whatever, and we all went. And at the end of the night, the guy threw a box of unused fireworks onto the bonfire while we were all standing around it and received the biggest bollocking of his life from my mother, who went absolutely spare and screamed in his face. And I think he might have wet himself just a tiny bit. I mean, I probably would have wet myself if your mum had screamed at me. Yeah. You had something like that, where somebody threw fireworks on a fire or did something. There was some bonfire night We've already talked through my... It wasn't a bonfire. It was just... It was a bonfire, but it wasn't bonfire night. Oh, okay. But we've already had that story with the melting hands and... Goodness. And the, the feel of heat rushing past me and yes. Yeah. And so what what sort of biscuit do you think Guy Fawkes would like? Hmm. Maybe them fig biscuits. What they would call fig newtons in America. Fig rolls. Fig rolls. That's them. Really? Yeah. Don't ask me why. I just get what, the feeling. Did, did... He was a cultured man, he'd like fig newtons. With, were there figs in, in the in the UK back then? When I'm gonna say yes. Okay, but you don't But really I have know. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> if you say anything with enough authority, people believe you. But no, I have no idea. If it, I would have thought so, because things like potatoes came over with Sir Francis Drake, didn't mm-hmm. they? and that was Elizabethan times, so that was before James I. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me to hear that figs were available, or dates. Maybe. Because I think if you actually look at the, the packet on fig rolls, I think a good chunk of it is actually dates, not figs. 
I think there's a bit of fig mixed in there, but it's mostly dates. Probably, yeah. It doesn't surprise me. And every year at Christmas, my mum would get a thing of dates where it's like a date plastic tree with yeah. a date on each branch. And they branch. have like cockroaches. They do, but they taste just ever so slightly sweeter. I hate, oh, just they're like cardboardy kind of weird shell. I was just like, I'm eating a beetle. Yummy. I do like dates. It's like death on a stick. It's <laughs> an extreme aversion to dates you've got there, love. Well, what no, I mean, for you, Who love. you with a date? All those sugar, all that oh, sugar. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you ate yeah. like a few of them, you'd just be like, woohoo. My, my food coma would become a real coma. So hopefully you've had a chance to listen to the Halloween collaboration episode we did with several of the podcasts, including Prairieland Paranormal, Parunity Podcast, Monster Legends, Spooky Tales, I Have a Strange Story, Cryptids, Walking the Shadowlands, and there's probably one or two others, and I'm sorry I don't have your list in front of me, but if I've forgotten your name, I do apologise. I've been trying to make sure you've been in all our Instagram posts and things. But yeah, what did you think? What did you think? Let us know. Because we thought our true crime thing on Ed Gein was kind of interesting and gross and hopefully a little bit funny in places. I mean, I've had feedback going, ew. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. I mean, I fed back ew at yeah, the time. You did. You did. It was it was gross. It's horrible, but it's it's horrible for being a true crime story. Yeah. So if you enjoyed it, subscribe to the other podcasts that you enjoyed in there. Or just pop over to their channels, give them a bit of a listen, see if there's if some of their other episodes grab you. And if you found us through the collaboration, hello and welcome. Hello. <laughs> we're glad you're here. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but yeah, we're glad you're here. Keep listening. Yeah. It might get better. I can't promise anything. No, we really can't. What else have we got going on, love? Well, nothing. No, we've got what? something going on. Okay. We've got on you. So we have a little project that we're trying to kind of pull together. A couple of weeks ago, we went on a ghost walk yep. and I took the group around our home city of Ely and told some stories. Yeah. We visited several locations and learned all about them through your amazing research and narration skills. Unfortunately, and our recording skills were not yeah, as, we're not uh, up great. To the, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the I recorded it all on my iPhone with a plug-in microphone and like a moron forgot to put my phone on airplane mode you don't need to explain all of this love and there was lots of noise anyway <laughs> it was not a great recording but no. we're going to try and work our way around it yeah we're going to try and re-record it and put it out as a minisode on our patreon so if you're not signed up to patreon and there is only one person signed up at the minute so i know you're not unless you're <laughs> the person that knows you are who's listening to this hello sign up we're releasing extra content, we're releasing minisodes, we're releasing outtakes. We are going to be releasing time-lapse videos of drawings. the drawings and oh, the illustrations yeah. we that we do. That. Yeah. Well, I definitely know what I'm going to be doing for this one because it's Guy Fawkes and that makes it quite easy. <laughs> but yeah, you can pledge on Patreon. I still haven't got around to sorting out tiers, but I will do because I'm now at home for about a month off work on lockdown. So hopefully I'll have a little bit of extra time here and there. So if you've enjoyed this episode and previous episodes, it would be lovely if you could leave us a review. Where can they leave us a review? The best place to leave us a review is on iTunes because that's what helps us grow the show and 
get it heard by more people. Yeah. But you can also review us on Podchaser, if you like. And Facebook. And Facebook, I think. And but, share the Facebook page. Yeah. Which, you know, that'll get us out there as well. What's the Facebook page? I don't know. You do that sort of thing. <laughs> Facebook.com slash stories of strangeness. Yeah, and there's a group and a page, and you can chat to people who think the same as you. Including maybe. us. Yeah, we're there too, yep. hanging about. Yep, um, just waiting for people to talk to us. But like we also... Saddos. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but also we want to hear from you. Yeah. And if you have any strange stories you would like to share with us, we would love to hear them. We can yep. read them out for you. We can do it anonymously if you're like... Or we can to- make up a cool name like <gasps> Jack's Razor. That just that sounds like, like a man's race. <laughs> you got into a bit of a fight club there. I meant like Jack's, like J-A-X, but it just sounds oh. like Jack's razor. Yeah, the razor of okay. Jack. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. You know, make up your own name because you don't want Mike to make Because you're probably going to do a better job than I am, yeah. But yes, email us at... Storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. That'd be lovely. It would. Yeah. Or just send me an email to say hello because... We get I've, very lonely I'm stuck here. in a in a house with him now. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness, oddly enough. Yes. And um, you can also find us on Twitter. I don't tweet. Mike tweets. I rarely, rarely quote, tweet. But if you tweet at me, I'll certainly reply. Tweet right back. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to sign up for our emails or Very find our show semi-regular notes. semi-regular that Mostly. might be up to date, I'm not sure. They're not even close. Oh my goodness, it's so terrible. Yeah. Our website address is... Storiesofstrangeness.com Yes. We also have a Redbubble account where we do illustrations for all of these episodes. So yep. you can buy those illustrations on stickers, socks... Shower curtains. Shower curtains. I'm obsessed with the shower curtains. Mini skirts. Even the on, gents, go out and buy yourself a mini skirt. Treat they yourself. They are pretty cool. Go for it. And leggings, yep. and t-shirts, all uh, sorts of crazy all sorts of stuff. stuff. Clocks, clocks. Bags. Yeah. I think we should just stop listing products now, though. Yes. You know, let's let's leave a little something to the imagination <laughs> and surprise. And we've already mentioned Patreon. Yeah. And at the moment, it is just a pay what you want. <laughs> Sorry, that just slipped out. <laughs> You've almost got me with it and all. Catch. No. Do you know that if you yawn and somebody doesn't catch that yawn, it's more likely that they're a psychopath because it shows a lack of empathy. Do you know what? That's actually reassuring because I yawned the other day and my mum and dad yawned and so did Litlan and it was quite funny because it went round properly. Yeah. Like like a Mexican wave around the room. I didn't when you just yawned just now. Just saying. That wasn't a real yawn. Month off together. That wasn't a real yawn. (laughs) I'm not a psychopath. I've just trained myself not to catch a yawn if I really try hard enough. Just like Why? I can stop hiccups. You're weirdo. I like doing little weird things that other people can't do, like wiggling my ears and I can wiggle raising my ears. one eyebrow and folding my hands in half and weirdo. bending my knees backwards. Things like that. Uh, can you shut up? Can you? No. Exactly. I don't want to. Well, there you go then. Uh, Wouldn't really be much use for a podcast if we were both silent for 90 minutes. It would be very avant-garde though, wouldn't it? <laughs> The podcast of silence coming to you soon in your favourite podcast player. Sit back and relax as we say fuck all for 50 minutes. Sponsor us on Patreon (laughs) to allow us to continue. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a a bit of a weird... The only way I would do that, though, is you'd have to turn my mic off. I'd, I'd, like, 35 minutes in, I'd have a really loud gong. (laughs) (laughs) People would be nodding off, this is so relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) 
your own arse. <laughs> or there'd be just a little tiny whisper of, help. I'm under the bird. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably go now, love. You think? Yeah, I'll, I want to drink that beer. <laughs> I've said that she can't drink the beer until we finish. It's Wonderbar. Is that the one you're having, is it? I You've decided. Know. I haven't decided. Right. Punchy, fruity, or refreshing and juicy? Well, I mean, it's... Punchy, fruity. Hmm? <laughs> it doesn't say what punchy, That's... fruity Punchy, is. fruity sounds like a, a really weird version of Fruit Ninja where you haven't got a sword. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably time we went now, isn't it, love? So I can drink me beer. Yeah, I would say so. So do you want to say goodnight or goodbye? Goodnight and goodbye. Be very careful with fireworks. They're very dangerous. Good night. Drink responsibly. Fat chance. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Love you.